The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. Fast-paced. I don't even know what to say about the Red Sox anymore. Honestly, I need to stop giving Sox predictions. Opinionated. Justin Fields will make the Patriots regret choosing Mac Jones. You just wait for it. To the point. The Pats are a run-first team. Period. End of story. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on a Monday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. I am pumped to be back. Vacation was good, but I'm ready to be back here in this chair bringing you sports talk. I've had so many things marinating and so many takes marinating over the course of the last 10 days. I'm pumped to be back. I do want to give a shout-out to part-time Jack for filling in. He did a great job last week. I got a chance to listen to a fair amount of the shows from last week and saw a lot of the compliments that you all gave part-time Jack. He was absolutely excellent. We're going to miss him um, as he goes back to college. He's already back at school for his senior year, and you know he's got a bright future ahead of him. So I look forward to uh, you know hopefully being a part of it again in the future. But uh, thanks to Jack Main for hanging out with us all summer. and He did a great job filling in for me last week. We do have a short show tonight. We go up until 6.10 and then it is Red Sox and Rays. We'll get you ready for that. We'll also talk with Evan Lazar of CLNS Media at 5.45 about the Patriots who beat the Giants yesterday in the preseason finale. Pats won that game 22-20 to finish out the preseason at 3-0. and You can get in as always on the Napa Morrisville Napa Waterbury text line 802-585-3026 That's your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. Lego? Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. And the opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. Phil in Middlesex says, welcome back, Brady. Well, Phil, it is good to be back. Appreciate that as well. Let's start with this. Again, Patriots win last night 22-20. to They beat the Giants, finish out the preseason at 3-0. Like it or not, Cam Newton is still going to be the starting quarterback for this team in week one. Okay, Like it or not, Cam is still starting for this team week one. If you are mad about that, as a lot of the texters on the text line are, then this is all that I can offer you. Here's what I can tell you understand that through this preseason you did not see the stuff that makes Cam Newton good for this offense. You just have to come to grips with that. Everyone is in a rush to compare Mac Jones and Cam Newton as throwers. Everybody wants to discuss how the passing game compares between the two. But this is not the full story. The passing game is not the full story. However you view Cam Newton, whether it's tolerable, serviceable, effective, or good, whatever makes him that way is his running ability and is the threat of his running ability on a defense. And we didn't see that at all this preseason. Stop viewing the quarterback competition through the pass-only lens because you can't Look at it that way. Cam, This entire preseason and all the game action, Cam Newton did not scramble one time. 
Cam Newton did not read option one time. He did not have a designed run one time. If you take that stuff away from Cam and evaluate him as just a, as just a thrower, I understand that you'd be disappointed. You'd be hampering a huge part of his game. Understand that Cam Newton played this preseason with one hand tied behind his back. And all things considered, I thought he played pretty well. He was 14 for 20 as a thrower. He threw the touchdown pass to Jacoby Myers in that game against the Eagles. And last night's pick was a phenomenal play by Blake Martinez of the Giants. You saw that from James Bradbury in their joint practices. That's just great play there. Heck of a play by Blake Martinez. Play in the deep middle. Giants back on offense. Trail he took that ball right out of Jacoby Myers' hands. Here's the bottom line on Cam. Through this preseason, his shoulder looked healthy. The velocity looked better. His feet looked better. His mechanics were more sound. Okay, He looked better overall as a thrower. And when he gets his legs back as the season goes on, when the team gives him that part of his game back, that's going to be a big aid for him and for this team. I'm not here to bag on Mac Jones. Mac Jones impressed me a lot this preseason. And whenever he plays, I think he'll be serviceable also. And I do think that this is clear. The passing game looks better with Mac Jones. The pure passing offense looks better with Mac Jones. But it's not only the passing game that matters. Cam Newton will aid the run game, and Cam's running ability will aid the pass game too. You have to accept that. If you are upset because you think you watched this preseason and you came to the conclusion that Mac Jones is better than Cam Newton... The only thing I can offer you is understand that we didn't see what makes Cam good. I think by and large you saw passing offenses that largely mirrored each other. Okay, Mac Jones was was probably slightly better as a passer than Cam, and it looks better. So you walked out of this preseason thinking, hey, Mac's the better quarterback. Mac is a better thrower right now, but the net is still a positive for Cam when you factor in the run ability. If you are somebody who is on the ledge right now because Cam is going to start, walk back off of it and understand that the run game, which is so vital to what Cam does and which will be so vital to what this team does, we didn't see it all preseason. So you walk away telling you that your eyes say, Max better. No. Cam is better when you include the totality of offense and we didn't get to see any of it from Cam Newton. Okay, I like Mac Jones way more than I thought I would. I will admit you that today, 537 on Monday, August 30th. I like Mac Jones a lot more than I was expecting. And he did a lot of things really well. But Cam Newton is still the best guy for this team because you added that running ability that Mac doesn't have. Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. Bill in Town. Brady, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed your vacation. The kid who filled in for you was pretty good. Thank you, Jack, is pretty good. 
How did you feel about finding out that Cam wasn't vaccinated and had to sit out last week? Bill, I feel the same way about this today as I did at the start of training camp. Okay, The start of training camp, when Cam didn't answer if he was vaccinated or not, I said this then and I will reiterate it now. I hoped that Cam was vaccinated, but not because I'm being preachy, but because Cam not being vaccinated could cost him his job and could cost him his career. And I didn't want that avoidable situation to come to fruition. And it almost did. I wish Cam Newton had gotten vaccinated. He may not lose his starting job to Mac Jones today over this. But Cam seeding those extra repetitions to Mac Jones will only make it easier to give Mac the job later. It's certainly, as I said then and will say now, it's certainly within Cam Newton's right to not get vaccinated. I'm not here to judge him for not doing it. But if he loses his job over a lack of availability, that will have been a situation that was avoidable. That was my message then. That's my message today. Cam Newton should have gotten vaccinated because it would have provided him more career stability. If he misses time again, misses a game, misses more practice, is deemed unreliable because of his vaccination status, that may end his time in Foxborough and it may end his career. And I would hate to go out like that if I were Cam Newton. Do what you want. It is your legal right to not get vaccinated. But when it costs you your career, don't come crying to me that you were done wrong. Cam Newton knows the stakes. And last week, he or the Patriots failed. Now, again, it may not be the full death blow to Cam's Foxborough experience, but it is a big deal. And if it happens again, it just might be the death blow. And I'll say this, okay? The Colts today placed three players on the COVID list. Carson Wentz is one of them. Carson Wentz, clearly unvaccinated. I hope that Carson Wentz gets the same amount of grief that Cam has gotten for being unvaccinated. Because Wentz is in largely the same position. Now, he makes more money than Cam does, but he's largely in the same position. Carson Wentz trying to remake a career, coming back off an injury. Like, this week that Carson Wentz is now out of practice for was going to be huge for him coming back from that foot surgery. And he's not available. So Carson Wentz, who's trying to hold on to his career as a starter, at least, in Indy, he also is hampering his own ability to be on the field. And if you lose your job because of that, then I just... I'd feel bad, but you had complete control over it. So... Bill and Barry Town, that is how I feel about Cam not getting vaccinated. If he loses his job over this, he will have no one to blame but himself. Now, Evan uh, Lazar from CLNS Media, who covers the Patriots, is going to be with us here in a couple of minutes. Before we get to him, Ted Johnson, former Patriots linebacker, Super Bowl champion with the Pats, now on NBC Sports Boston, He says he doesn't like how Cam was used yesterday. Cam Newton only played two series. Ted Johnson says he wanted to see him play more. Um, I I wanted to see more of Cam considering he missed so much of uh, practice this week. Um, And considering that you have two weeks to prepare for the the week one game against Miami, he was only out there for 10 plays. And to not see him out there more than what he was, 
I, I hope they know what they're doing because this guy needed work. <laughs> this guy needed work. He did not need to be on the bench watching. He needed to be out there working. Did you think Cam Newton should have played more, especially after missing time last week at practice? 802-585-3026. I can appreciate where Ted Johnson's coming from, but I don't think that that would have jived with the rest of the plan for the team. And I think Bill Belichick clearly wanted to keep his plan intact, meaning this. I think Bill Belichick made it very clear he wanted to get his starters out early. He wanted to keep them safe. He wanted to get them out early. He wasn't going to pull everyone and then leave Cam in to get work behind a a second-string offensive line. He wasn't going to do that. That would have put Cam in danger. He wasn't doing that. He then also, I don't think, was going to leave the rest of the starters out there solely for the purpose of protecting Cam. So there was no good answer to this. Either he pulls everybody and leaves Cam out there and Cam has a chance of getting injured, or he leaves everybody else out there and they all have a chance to get injured just to be in with Cam. I, so I bet Belichick would have liked to see Cam play more yesterday also, but it just didn't jive with the rest of the plan. He clearly wanted the starters out early, and that was going to be done regardless of playing time that we think or wanted Cam to get, or maybe that Cam needed. So remember, we did get Cam did also get a lot of work in joint practices, right? Washington, Philly, Giants when he was there last week. So he has gotten a lot of work in this preseason, even though it wasn't all in game action. Evan Lazar covers the Patriots, one of the best Pats follows out there on the internet. He's been at these practices, he's been at these joint practices. How big a deal was that for Cam Newton, and does that matter more? Then preseason action. Evan Lazar, next with us on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you about my town. I'm going to tell you a big fat story, baby. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on a Monday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. It's a Patriots preseason win Monday. Pats 3-0 this preseason, beating the Giants yesterday. Joining us now to break all things Pats down is Evan Lazar of CLNS Media. He does a great job covering the Pats, especially on social media. You should check him out on both YouTube and on Twitter. So, Evan, I appreciate you being with us, man. How are you? I'm doing well, Brady. Thanks for having me on. You know, the thing... I just keep coming back to on this whole Cam Newton, Mac Jones thing. And the thing I want to ask you to start is, are we forgetting about Cam Newton's running ability? Because it seems like everyone just wants to compare Mac and Cam as passers and how the passing offense looks. But isn't Cam kind of playing with one hand tied behind his back this preseason? Well, that's certainly going to be a big part of their offense, assuming, which I think it is pretty safe to assume that Cam Newton is at least going to be the starter to open the season. We'll see what happens. Talk to me again in November, and we might be talking about something different. But for right now, Cam Newton is going to be the starting uh, quarterback for the Patriots, and they're designed as a team with two tight ends, with a good stable of running backs, with a really strong offensive line to be a run first offense. And certainly Cam's legs is going to play a factor in that as well. So to a degree, absolutely. We are sleeping on the fact that Cam Newton's legs are going to be a factor in his game. Training camp practices, quarterbacks run around in the red non-contact jerseys. You're not allowed to hit them. So they're not going to really use 
Cam as a runner in a training camp practice or a preseason game and risk him getting injured by running the football. So there's a whole other element of his game that does factor in to this decision. But when he dropped a player in the first round and he looks as good as Mac Jones has looked in the preseason and out at camp this summer, you do feel like eventually that's going to go max way, right? Eventually he's going to be the quarterback for the Patriots. It's probably not going to be week one. It might be later on this year. If it's not, it will definitely be in 2022. How valuable or what's the the tone of these joint practices? You're out at practice. You've seen the joint practices the Pats have had with multiple teams this offseason. The reason why I ask is there was some kind of consternation over the fact that Cam didn't play more than two series yesterday. You're at these joint practices, even though Cam missed a couple last week. How much work has he actually gotten in this preseason when you factor in those? He did get a ton of work in Philadelphia. We were out there, and through those two days of practice, it was very heavily Cam Newton's show with the starting offense. Mac Jones got his reps in, but most of those reps were working with the backup offensive line, backup skill players. When the starting offense went out there, the starting five on the offensive line, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, John U. Smith. It was with Cam Newton. So he got a lot of work against Philadelphia. He got one drive in the simulated game or scrimmage that they ran with the New York Giants on Thursday. But the lion's share of the reps, both in the games and in practice, have been to Mac Jones. And you could understand that. Cam's in his 11th year in the NFL. He doesn't exactly need as many reps as a rookie quarterback. So they have worked Mac heavily all summer long. But that probably suggests as well that if you don't expect him to get very many live reps in the regular season because Cam Newton is the starting quarterback, then it makes sense to get all of the reps you possibly can in with Mac Jones now. And again, a lot of Mac's reps, especially early on in training camp, were with the backups. You know, the listeners roll their eyes at me because I'm a Cam guy and I've been a Cam defender throughout this entire process and the entire time that he's been here. I would like to start Cam because this team has playoff aspirations. They spent a bunch of money to win this year, and this isn't like, hey, let's throw Trevor Lawrence out there, and if we go 2-14, and 14, then so be it. Right. I just don't think there's time to waste in the NFL. Does that factor into how you look at the quarterback battle at all, and that you need to hit the ground running, and maybe Cam helps you do that more so than Mac? I would say to a degree, and the other angle that I think is related to that that I – feel myself taking is patience with Mac Jones because the Patriots are in a position with Cam Newton looking a lot better this summer with better pieces around him and just a better version of Cam I think in terms of a player he's throwing the ball with more accuracy down the field his mechanics are more tied together than they were a year ago especially post-COVID and once the train kind of came off the tracks for him a year ago you've seen better timing better rhythm better anticipation better ball placement down the field from Cam Newton as a passer enough to a degree that there's no need to rush Mac Jones onto the field. I think the Trevor Lawrence comparison's perfect or the Zach Wilson yeah. comp in New York. Those two guys don't have a former MVP quarterback on their roster to ease them into the season. Those guys are the guys right away, regardless of how they play to a degree in the preseason. So with Mac, he, they, the Patriots don't need to throw him out there week one. And the other angle that I come at it with this 
Week one, the Patriots play the Miami Dolphins and Brian Flores. That's a pretty good defense with a really experienced defensive play caller. They're also going to play the Bucks. They're going to play the Saints in the first month of the season. More experienced play callers with good defense and good talent. This is not an easy opening month. For the Patriots. This is not a soft landing for a rookie quarterback. And we know with a defensive coordinator like Flores, he loves to run a bunch of different blitz looks, a bunch of different coverages in the back end, rotate that thing in the back end, cover zero blitzes, bluffs, disguised amoeba fronts, guys all jumping all over the place and up on the line of scrimmage. That's a very difficult first game in the NFL for a rookie quarterback. And there have been times where Mac has looked a little bit more like a rookie when the defense starts to get creative and the defense starts to do some different things in the back end with their safeties, and it hasn't been quite as smooth. So I I preach patience with Mac Jones because his time is going to come. He's looked good enough in the preseason that it's worth giving him a shot as an NFL starter someday, and I think he's going to be a good one. But there's no reason to throw him into the fire week one just for instant gratification that that's really what it's all all it's going to be and i think cam right now gives them a much better chance to beat the miami dolphins in week one evan lazar covers the patriots is here with us on the brady farkas show on wdev am and fm and wdevradio.com there's been a lot of good in this preseason which area of the roster would you say is most improved from 2020 the pass rush by far i mean the patriots run seven has taken a whole different form this preseason and in the summer during training camp practice as well. It's the newcomers, Matt Judon, probably the ringleader of that. He's been fantastic, does everything Bill Belichick wants out of his, his outside linebackers, set the edge, rush the passer, drop a little bit into coverage. Dante Hightower is back. That's huge. Kyle Van Noy comes back after the year in Miami. Another big one. And then, of course, second-year linebacker Josh Uche, who people that watch their preseason games – He's been flying off the tape all summer long, and he's somebody that I think is going to be a big-time factor in this defense and a potential breakout star for this defense in his second season. Just an electric pass rusher, uh, screams off the edge, great first-step explosiveness, plays the game fast in all facets. He's going to be a really good player for them as well. So to go from that, I didn't even mention guy like a Chase Winovich or Ronnie Perkins, who they drafted in the yeah. third round this year. They go very, very deep, especially at that linebacker, outside linebacker, edge hybrid type of position. And they are going to be a much more improved pass rush and run defense than what they were a year ago. And that's going to be massive for this defense because they have the pieces in the secondary, especially as Stephon Gilmore comes back. They're going to have a good secondary as well. Now you marry that together with a possibly elite front seven, and you're going to have a very good defense in New England. You mentioned hybrid, and that's a word we hear a lot in the NFL. What do you think about Kyle Duggar's usage this year? He's a guy I'm pretty excited about. Is he going to get the kind of Jamal Adams, Troy Polamalu treatment where, sure, he can cover a bit down the field. It can be a ball-hawking safety type, but he can also play up on the line and rush the passer. Is he going to be in that kind of mold this year, you think? I would like to think so because what we have seen out of Kyle Duggar going back to his rookie season and at times during training camp this summer is – He's not the best man coverage defender on tight ends. I think they drafted him with the Patrick Chung role in mind to think, okay, he's a player that's going to develop for us playing closer to the line of scrimmage and be able to guard tight ends one-on-one. He hasn't developed in that essence as well as I would like, but 
in terms of his instincts and his athleticism in the open field and obviously his play strength in the trenches, that's where he can really shine. And if you look at a Jamal Adams type role, you mentioned Troy Polamalu, throw it back to another Patriot, Rodney Harrison, yeah. right? It's a guy that's playing more as a rover in the middle of the defense that has wears multiple hats playing closer to the line of scrimmage, but you're not pigeonholing him to go take Mike Kosicki week one, one-on-one, go take Travis Kelsey, go take Gronk. Don't put him just in that role. Allow him to roam, allow him to be free in the middle of the defense, blitz, rush the passer a little bit, uh, hunt for the football in the middle of the field, whether it's as a ball hawk and a robber or a deep roll or something closer to the line of scrimmage in the low hole. Those types of roles basically go back to 2003, 2004 Patriots defense with Rodney Harrison. I think that's the best role for Kyle Duggar because he was a deep safety in college. He's much more comfortable playing as a zone defender in the middle of the field than he is coming up on the line of scrimmage and guarding tight ends. So I'd like to see them let him just run free, right? And not kind of hamstring him to just covering tight ends. Evan, I'll get you out of here on this. Which area of the roster concerns you the most heading into week one? It's interesting because I think that they're going to have enough to piece it together in the passing game. But the wide receiver position, Nelson Aguilar started out really hot in training camp. I thought first week, 10 days of camp, he was their best receiver in camp, creating big plays down the field, stretching the field, creating separation on deep balls, doing everything that was advertised that when they signed him over from the Raiders, being a legitimate deep threat. He gets injured and he's been very quiet since he went out with that injury and he's been banged up and it hasn't been as crisp for him since he's come back on the field a little bit. Kendrick Bourne's made some noise. He's made some good plays. He's a strong player at the catch point, crafty route runner, but not an explosive player, not a big play guy, not a guy that's going to be a big time difference maker, more of your steady type of presence out there. And Jacoby Myers is the best at one out of all of them. And that's saying something, right? A former undrafted guy is by far their best wide receiver. So although I am more bullish on their offense and their passing game than most just because of the tight ends and the way that they can mix and match a passing game and marry it to the running game with play action, I think they're going to be able to get away with it with Josh McDaniels at the helm, scheming it up. But on paper, their wide receivers are potentially an Achilles heel. Do they have somebody on the outside on offense that can win a one-on-one matchup when the defense is taking away the middle of the field, loading the box, making sure the tight ends and Jacoby Myers can't eat between the numbers. Where are they going to go with the ball on the outside? That that's going to be something they're going to have to answer. Evan Lazar covers the Pats. CLNS media does a great job. Does a great job. And Evan, we appreciate the time. So uh, really good to talk with him. Evan Lazar is uh, certainly awesome. I encourage you to follow him on social media. So, uh, Evan, largely mirroring what I've said. Look at the takeaways from that interview alone. He says the Patriots are a run-first team. They are. He says that Cam Newton is a better option for this team, at least at the beginning of the season. He is. And he says that uh, the front seven is the most improved part of this team, which is something that I have said, and that Matthew Judon is a guy who really stands out. So he and I really are on the same wavelength there. 802-585-3026. Text on the Napa Morrisville Napa Waterbury. Text line comes in from uh, Joe, who's all the way up in Highgate, who's listening from up north. Says, great interview. Love watching Evan's breakdowns of the Patriots on YouTube. So Evan Lazar, a good guest. We will certainly have him on again. All right, when we come back, 
Well, first off, we got to get a national news update from CBS. But then, when we come back, Alex Cora wants to know why the media isn't hyping up Rafael Devers in the way it hypes up other young stars. And you know what? It's a good question. And I don't have a good answer for it. We'll get into that. That's next. Coming up on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV. The show brought to you in part by Evan Holstrom Racing. Evan Holstrom, an 18-year-old driver on the Pro All-Star Series with the Super Late Models. He's out of Northfield, Vermont. If you enjoy watching local racers make it big, Evan is maybe the next big name for you to follow. Again, EvanHolstromRacing.com. He's the youngest driver to ever qualify for the Vermont Milk Bowl. He's got nearly 50% top 10 finishes in his young career. 21 races, 10 top 10 finishes, and got a win or two in there as well. So Evan Holstrom, certainly a guy who you want to follow if you enjoy the local racing scene, like at Thunder Road. So, and Evan, again, youngest ever to qualify for the Milk Bowl. He has raced at Thunder Road, but does his work on tracks all over New England. Red Sox baseball coming up in six minutes. We'll get you out there. Sox in Tampa from Tampa. Red Sox are eight games back of the Rays right now. Nick Pavetta is on the mound tonight. A couple other Red Sox news and notes. Martin Perez is uh, on the COVID list. He's tested positive for COVID-19. The team also acquired Brad Peacock, who used to be a useful pitcher for the Astros. They got him in a minor league deal with the Cleveland Indians, so they acquired him for cash. So, again, the uh, Red Sox making a minor move there to go get Peacock, but, uh, again, they lose Perez right now uh, to COVID-19. We'll get more on that during the official pregame show with Mutt and the crew coming up now about five minutes from now. Alex Cora asked a really good question over the weekend. He wanted to know why the media doesn't hype up Rafael Devers in the same way it hypes up other young stars around baseball and I gotta tell you that's a great question and I don't have an answer for it I don't know why Rafael Devers does not get the deserved attention around baseball from fans from the media I don't know why because when you look at it Rafael Devers is a star he's tied for fifth in all of baseball in home runs he's second in RBI He's closing in on 100 RBIs. He's one of the best and most productive hitters in all of baseball. Why do we not talk about Devers? This guy's not even 25 years old. Why are we not talking about him? I went through the list and I tried to find the reasons why Devers doesn't get talked about, and none of them are good reasons, and none of them hold up. Is it because Rafael Devers is quiet? He doesn't talk to the media a lot. He's not very loud in his game. Do we ignore Rafael Devers because he's quiet? Mike Trout is quiet. We talk about him. Shohei Otani is quiet. We don't talk we we talk about him a lot. We spent all year talking about Otani. So the quiet thing doesn't hold weight. Is it because Devers is not from the US? Well, that's clearly not the case either because Fernando Tatis Jr. is not from the U.S. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is not from the U.S. Otani's not from the U.S. So it has like you don't have to be American to get proper recognition either. Is this because Devers is not seen as a great two-way player? Is this because Devers hasn't played great defense historically? Well, we talked about David Ortiz forever. 
And he never played defense. So that's not it. So the fact that Devers is seen as not a great third baseman, that means nothing. The fact that he's not American, I poke holes in that. The fact that he's quiet, that doesn't mean anything. Is this because he's surrounded by other really good players like J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts and he had Mookie Betts, so like he gets lost in the shuffle? That's not true either. Like You don't have to be a lone wolf to get attention. Ortiz was surrounded by great players and got attention. Pedroia was surrounded by great players and got attention. Pedro was surrounded by great players and got attention. Jeter, same thing. Aaron Judge, currently same thing. Why are we not talking about Rafael Devers? Alex Cora asked the question, and I don't have the answer. We should be talking about Rafael Devers. And we should be talking about the minute the Red Sox season ends about the team trying to lock Devers up to a long-term deal. They failed in handling Mookie Betts. They cannot fail with Rafael Devers. This guy is, I mean, how old is Devers? 24 years old, I believe. Like, they need Devers in the middle of their order long-term. He's 24, heading on 25. Let's get it done. Seven, eight-year deal. And let's get Devers to be the star that he should be. Tatis gets the shine. Vlad gets the shine. Otani gets the shine. They all deserve it. Devers deserves it too. And I don't know why he's not getting it. Red Sox race coming up in 90 seconds. Let's get you the Sox lineups from Tampa. The Sox are 75 and 57. The Rays are 82 and 48. They're eight games up on Boston. Sox are two and a half up on Oakland for the final wild card spot. Nick Pavetta against Luis Patino. That's your pitching matchup. Pavetta's nine and six with a 4-5-7. Patino's three and three with a 4-5-3. Kyle Schwarber leads off for Boston. He's the DH. Devers is at third, batting second. JD Martinez is in left field, hitting third. Xander Bogarts is at short. He bats cleanup. Alex Verdugo's in right. He bats fifth. Bobby Dahlbeck's moved up now. He's hitting sixth at first base. Christian Vasquez is the catcher, batting seventh. Jaron Duran bats eighth. He's in center. And Jairo Munoz, he bats ninth and plays second base. Brandon Lau leads off for Tampa at second. He's got 30 home runs. Nelson Cruz is the DH. He's got 26. Wander Franco, the Wunderkind shortstop. He's at shortstop, batting third. Austin Meadows is in left, Yandy Diaz at first, Joey Wendell at third. Former Sox farmhand Manuel Margot is in right, he bats seventh. Kevin Kiermeyer, the gold glover, bats eighth and plays center. And Mike Zanino is the catcher. He's got 27 home runs. He does the catching and bats ninth. Thanks to Evan Lazar for joining us today. Full show podcast available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're back at it tomorrow. Go Sox.